0: Golf course design is a lot like any form of artwork. You know, everyone's kind of got their own interests, own tastes. And it's cool to hear how different architects who come from different backgrounds in the game of golf go about their work, go about their daily grind in building a golf course. And for us who get to play them, it's you see this or you see this, you like this or that. But what really goes into it, I think this conversation between myself and world-renowned Now, golf course designer Bill Bergen was very, very insightful on all of these things. Bill had a hand in the Macklemore Club, which is growing daily, it seems like, in the hearts and minds of many across America, and especially in the South, the 18th hole. If you haven't seen it, you can go to our Instagram page and take a look at it. It's one of the more fascinating finishing holes we've ever come across. Bill actually has an extensive playing background. Played at Auburn, grew up as a very good amateur player in the Atlanta area, played in five major championships as a professional. We get into that, what he's working on now as a designer, and a whole lot more. Get dressed, you're playing golf today. No, I'm not, Grandpa. I'm playing tennis.
1: You're playing golf, and you're going to like it. What about my asthma? I'll give you asthma. (laughs)
0: All right, joined now by Bill Bergen. I guess we can start there, Bill. Um, the Auburn tie—you've you, got the the playing background, and and we can talk about that. But I want to talk about how that ties into the the architecture, the start. Uh, when when you're playing and, and you grow up playing the game of golf, I think it always kind of interests us, right? Golf course design and and maybe someday I want to get into. But you got to playing at a high level. You played in five majors. Um, w- when did it start to teeter to you know what I I could see golf course design being in my future and and when did that itch start to hit you? Well
1: it's funny as I look back on my playing career first of all I was a really good mapper of golf courses and this was kind of in the day before we had great yardage books. Although when I was on tour in eighty five, uh gorgeous George Lucas put out the, the yardage books and they were they were really fantastic. But I always augmented my yardage books and in other words i studied the golf courses probably more than most guys and so i knew how far it was over the bunkers i knew how the greens contours went i just got into more detail in my mapping of the golf courses probably than the typical guy i mean lots of guys did it but i probably did more more than most um and then while i was when i was a student at auburn i wanted to get an ag degree i wish i had um you know sort of um that would have been incredibly valuable for my career, except that it was all afternoon science labs. And I was on a golf team on a golf scholarship and we played golf every single day for four years and a quarter that I was there. I mean, it was literally every day. And so I couldn't do the afternoon science lab. So I ended up getting a business degree, but while I was a student, I did do a paper on golf course architecture and that was, it was a lot of fun. So my interest has always been there. Um, and then, you know, I, I tried to play, I ended up playing for six years professionally, and that was a really fantastic time. I wasn't that great of a player, but I got some great experiences. When you think about, I played in the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach, and I played in the British Open at St. Andrews, and you know, most people just want to play those golf courses, and yet I was able to play major championships on, on those two and then three others, and so it was really a, a, a great um, sort of base uh, for, for, for golf course design. But ironically, I spent three years kind of in limbo going from my playing career to my design career. And I shouldn't call it that, but I taught for three years at Cherokee Town & Country Club here in Atlanta. And that's a 2,000-member club, and I literally gave eight to ten lessons every day. And that is when I learned what 99% of the golfers out there deal with playing golf. And that is more valuable to my design philosophy today. And playing in major championships, and so it's this blend of playing. Because I every time I look at something, I am looking as a player, looking as an architect, and I'm looking as a teacher who understands average golfers and how they play the game.
0: I wanted to ask that next: people you've worked with on projects, or maybe run into um, in the in the design world. How do you see your I guess point of view differently than what you've run into with others who don't have that uh, extensive playing background. What, what is your, what is, what do you feel like you bring to the table um, at the design table that's that different?
1: Sure. I think the biggest thing is we make every single course we work on harder for the best players and they're a select few and we make it much more fun and fair and playable for everybody else, and we prove that time after time after time, and I've had more, more people come up to me, and they go, I heard your presentation, and I really thought you were full of it. I thought you were just this a bunch of BS, and a year after playing your golf course, you were exactly right. It's exactly what happened. The golf course is more playable for the average player, and it is definitely more challenging for the better players, and that's hard to Sometimes relate to people um, at a nearby course in Atlanta, Dunwoody Country Club. Um, this is my closest course that I've worked on to home. I removed 12 greenside bunkers, okay, in on the project, a renovation. And as I'm taking out 12 greenside bunkers, all the best players looked at me like you're gonna make the golf course too easy. And they know I'm, you know, I've played in the Atlanta Classic seven times, and I was a former Georgia amateur. They know I know how to play the game, and they go, you're gonna make this golf course way too easy. Well, it didn't happen, as you might guess, and it, but it made it much more playable for the for the average player, but um, way more interesting, thought provoking. Um, there's a psychology to the way good players play golf, and if you you kind of get into that and understand what bothers them and what doesn't, um, it really informs the way you design a golf course.
0: You mentioned, oh, it could be too easy. Now we see at the highest level, which is less than the one percent. Maybe some golf courses are too easy for these guys. What you see all these headlines of, oh, we need to change the golf course. We need to, we need to back up the tee boxes. We need to, I mean, Augusta with the 13th tee box, they're thinking about moving that back. They've rumors that they've bought property to move that back. Do we need to build bigger golf courses or can we build green complexes that have smaller areas within them? Even if the green's not smaller to, to, um, I guess, make it more challenging. What are your thoughts on what do we need to do to one balance testing the pros and keeping the everyday golfer happy when we're redesigning and building golf courses?
1: All right. That is a fantastic question. And one that everybody's dealing with. Um, The the interesting thing is it's for so few players that economically and in the industry, it doesn't matter that much. I mean, it matters because they get all the headlines. They're who we watch on Saturday and Sunday but there's so few golfers that are at that level that the distance thing isn't probably as big a deal as you would think. Um, I do believe, and you mentioned it, greens complexes. So my personal philosophy is I like average to smaller than average putting surfaces, and I like bigger than average greens complexes, which which that does allow – the average player to miss the ball in a playable position. And that's very important. You want want to make the golf course playing ground, you know, ample for everybody. And and I like the the trend of wider fairways, more playable areas, love angles, although the tour players don't play angles because they play the ball so high. It doesn't matter um, much. And so, but I love the fact that greens complexes can really dictate score. You just look at the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach just a couple years ago. I mean, those greens average four thousand square feet. They're probably the smallest greens any major championship plays. They talked about, you know, the courses can't be sixty nine hundred yards or so. Um, they talked about it being obsolete and would it, you know, could it handle the U.S. Open? And It actually produced a great U.S. Open. Um, but I am, um, I am in favor of a ball rollback for the the select. For the elite players. I really am. I just feel like um, we have too much history. And the really cool thing about golf is we can play the same courses that Bobby Jones played, and we can play the same courses that Ben Hogan played. And I don't want to get so far away from that, because that really makes us unique in that we, we are able to do that. And so uh, I think a ball rollback uh, for uh, high level competition, in other words, a local rule that says you have to play this conforming ball and it doesn't affect everybody else because truthfully, if you have, if you swing the club at 90 miles an hour, today's technology really hasn't done much for you.
0: You mentioned wider fairways, smaller greens. Um, I heard a conversation with Mike Kaiser the other day about uh, the Dunes Club and abandoned and Dunes and his, his was Pine Valley, Pine Valley, Pine Valley, Pine Valley. He loves Pine Valley for you. Um, whether it's growing up, playing the game of golf before you got in design, was there a design mecca? And is there something that you look forward to? Like, okay, this is my favorite piece of property that I, I always look towards or, or or something along those lines. Um, maybe not your favorite golf course, but in, in that sense, is there?
1: Yeah, so I was absolutely influenced early by Ross and by the USGA. So I played my first US amateur uh, at Ironomic when I was 18 years old and that was a Ross course, and I won the, the qualifier here in Georgia on a Ross course, which was Eastlake, and so um, so I, I have that experience of playing at, at, a, at a high level on a Ross course, and then um, a couple years later, I qualified for the U.S. Open as an amateur at Baltimore, and so that was a Tillinghast, um, and, and so the classic USGA style golf courses definitely appealed to me. Um, you know, I, I think that the coolest thing about golf is the great variety that we are able to play on. In other words, you play some courses with big wide fairways and basically sandy roughs, like what, what, um, stream song is a uh, really, really cool place. Um, I haven't been to Bandon yet, but really want to go. And, and it's funny that you mentioned Pine Valley because as, as a player and as an architect, when you get to go play some renowned golf course, courses you have really high expectations or you have you know mental thoughts that you think this is going to be a really cool experience and I went to Pine Valley and I was blown away I loved it absolutely loved it played Marion on the same trip and wasn't as um as thrilled with Marion um partially because Marion is a course I think I needed to play three or four times to really understand it and I did not have a great caddy that day and that's you know that's just the way it goes Pine Valley everything laid out right in front of me could see it knew what to do I knew what the challenges were um you know supposedly a harder golf course but I played it you know much better Marion supposedly not quite as hard and it you know it kind of ate my lunch which is maybe why I want to play it again I'd like another chance so um And I've seen the renovation work at Marion over the years has looked fantastic. So that's a course that I, you know, it's not fair to judge a golf course with one experience.
0: I was going to say this for the back end, but I think it's appropriate. Now, when you are playing a golf course like Pine Valley, or you're playing a, maybe if you have the time, you get out and you just play a local nine-holer and maybe a a muni type, uh, your average golf course, which one are you more... I guess nitpicky on and, and how is your mind when you're actually playing golf now that you've done 25 plus years with your own business and architecture? I mean, how is it as a player now? Are you like, I wish, I wish uh, they could do this. I like this about this course. I don't like this about uh, uh, this hole. What is that like?
1: I'm way pickier on the premier courses because you have great high expectations. They typically have um, pretty amazing budgets I'm more pleasantly surprised on, on others, you know, where your, your expectations aren't quite quite as high. I did get to go and play Chicago Golf Club um, a couple of years ago when I was researching a, a Seth Rayner project that we just did in Minnesota. And I was just, I, I don't know why, my I, I can't say that I had any expectations, uh, but I was just completely enthralled with that golf course. Instantly moved into my top five. Absolutely just, just loved it. Uh, couldn't, couldn't like a golf course anymore. It was, it was just fantastic. You know, I played the, um, the British Open at St. Andrews in 84 and had probably the best golfing experience you could ask for. I mean, it really, really was an amazing, uh, week there. And, um, but I, I wasn't in love with the golf course like I was at Pebble in the U S open or Pine Valley the first time I saw it, or Shinnecock Hills the first time I've played there. Um, And it's funny because I went back to St. Andrews two years ago when I played it, and I looked at it completely differently than I did in the 84 Open, and I couldn't have enjoyed a golf course anymore coming back with all the experience as an architect versus being a player competing in a tournament.
0: Yeah, that's fascinating. Uh, you mentioned Tillinghouse, um, McKenzie, Rainer uh, that you just mentioned there. How much did these golden age architects influence you when you have to go back and, and study if you're touching up one of their projects or or trying to bring out a Rainer template somewhere? How much, how much do these guys influence you? And, and are we starting to see a second wave of this golden, um, maybe even if it's just reconstructing uh, golf courses, are we seeing a second wave of the, uh, of golden age golf?
1: Yes, yeah, so they were brilliant. I mean, and, and there is also an element of evolution that go into these courses. In other words, you look at Augusta National in the early pictures of the greens complexes from 1933 or 35 or somewhere in there, and, and they don't really look much like what it is today. So the golf courses always evolve. but I am a student of the classic age of design. I love the opportunity. You know, we've been able to work on Ross, on Rayner. Um, on, um, we just did Chickasaw, which was a William Langford. We're working uh, out in Arkansas on a Perry Maxwell. I have not worked on McKenzie, uh, but I really, really love the work these guys have done. And so the opportunity to study their work, uh, especially when you can see something that's more original rather than most courses have been renovated. And, and the ones that I've worked on have all been renovated. So I haven't really touched a masterpiece yet. I've touched something that's been impacted by somebody else and our goal, goal and role in those projects has been to, to restore it to, uh, the not necessarily exactly what it was, but certainly the feel of what it was in the 1920s and make it playable for today. And that that's all about greens, contours, and, and, and speed of greens and, and things like that.
0: I want to take an abrupt shift to maybe the most abrupt, uh, hole I've seen over the last two years that's new that I haven't seen before. And that's the 18th at Macklemore. And it's a project I know you uh, hold near and dear and uh, talking to them, they really made it seem, you made it a, a profound impact on them as well. Uh, that 18th hole at Macklemore. I, I want to start there before we get into the entire project. What was that hole like in itself trying to do, finding that landscape and, and constructing on that specific piece of property?
1: So at Macklemore, we had an existing golf course that we did a major renovation to. But we also had a problem. We didn't have a good place for a clubhouse. And we had this amazing edge of this property. It sits on the brow that Lookout Mountain Golf Club is on. And the views are unbelievable. But our clubhouse would have been back in the flat area and you would have been able to see off in the distance, but not look down at all. And so and we didn't have enough room for parking and it was all kinds of problems. And we really needed better space. And our owner, Dwayne Horton asked that, Hey, can you look at this, this property down on this lower, lower shelf? And there was a, a hiking trail down on part of it. And so I went down on, on this property and it's literally, it's, it's 400 feet east of, of our old 18th hole and it's a hundred and something feet down. Um, and there's a rock ledge. And when we got, when I got down there, I instantly knew I had a greens complex and that's, you know, when you're looking at design, uh, you've got to find great greens complexes. I had a very natural greens complex that I wasn't going to have to do a tremendous amount to, but I had nothing else. I'm going to stick my arm up in the air because the land just looked like this. I mean, it was, it was a strong, you know, steeper than 20% grade um, moving from right to left. There, there were ravines um, that it just didn't have anywhere to put really put the fairway and put the tees, and so we were we had to go in and really be creative. We we blasted a rock the size of a nice home, um, and it had a 24 inch full grown tree growing out of the rock. You know, this is it, it was a bit prehistoric looking. But I, I joke because when I went down and, and studied the property for the first time, it's really quite a hike and it's really steep and, and I'm in pretty good shape, but it's still, a, uh, it's still a tough walk. And I got back up to where the temporary pro shop was back then and, and I was in shorts and boots and I was bleeding uh, from studying this land. And, and so we joke about that, that, that we gave a little bit of blood, sweat and tears to create this hole. But um, man, what a home run it's been and you've seen it and the pictures, Dave Sansom and Evan Schiller have taken beautiful photographs of that hole, but it's still more impressive in person. It's hard to gr- grasp the vastness of the view and the, the steepness of the edge of the green and um, you know that Virginia pine sits out on that rock and the rock undercuts behind it, and it's just such a unique place. So we we're fortunate to be able to discover it
0: and to make it happen. It, it it really is a lot better in person. I can attest to that. I guess, is there a risk reward? Do you know going into it? I mean, I, I don't know the, not having an architecture background, how much is a risk reward when you're building a specific hole like that? And you, like you said, you've got to put in all the money and all the work to blow up a, a rock the size of a, a home. What is the risk reward for, for you guys going into a hole like that?
1: Yeah, so we went in knowing we could get something, <laughs> we didn't know quite what we would get. I knew I had a good, good, greens complex. And so I wasn't sure how long the hole would be. And I knew that I could create this, you know, maybe just over 300 yard hole for sure. And that, but that's not what I wanted. And, um, and so, you know, my son, who's my assistant, Matt Bergen, we went down there and we literally had, we didn't have an accurate topo in that area because of the trees. And, and just, it was, it was a new part of the project. And we went down and shot grades on, you know, on a thirty percent grade, and 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 figured out where we could make things work. And then uh, Southeastern Gulf was our builder, and you know they 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 did everything they needed to do to make this happen. I mean, even getting irrigation down there was difficult. Uh, pressure for the irrigation coming from two directions, and then we had to fly in a bridge with a helicopter. Literally, a bridge over one of the small ravines um, was flown in with a helicopter.
0: Wow, that's, that's, that's yeah, phenomenal. That's
1: right, you just don't see this every day. And so it's, you know, it, it's funny the golf course is a really solid golf course, although yes. you have to take a cart. You have to take a cart. The drives between holes are, are long. Uh, one of the drives between seven and eight is a long drive, but you're in this bouldering complex that is just phenomenal. I mean, literally, I, I, I've used the word once tonight, but it's, it's sort of prehistoric when you look at it.
0: What's it like now, or how important is it to you to see more six-hole golf, nine-hole golf courses, 12-hole golf courses? We have one here in Jacksonville now, and pop up like the one at Macklemore. How fun is that for you as a designer, and how important is it for the game of golf?
1: I think it's incredible. So that Macklemore's short course is our third finished short course, and we have a 12-hole one in Knoxville that's on an incredibly beautiful site. And it goes with a practice facility, driving range, short game area, putting green. And it's a, an amenity to a neighborhood, but it's also going to be a teaching center uh, practice. You know, it's a great practice facility, but a 12-hole short course. What I love about the concept, um, we started it, our first one we did was out on a Tillinghast in Tulsa. And we sort of, that one was sort of homemade. I mean, literally my superintendent and his staff built it in anticipation of our renovation of the Tillinghast course and we built that kind of in-house and it it ended up being something that um, the contractor uh, a guy named um, Bill Willingham is a great shaper in in the United States and he's a really good golfer and we were building once we were building the the Tillinghast the Oaks Country Club uh, we'd play it every evening Um, and we'd go around until dark and you could go around it in half an hour and it was amazing how much fun it was and then um, I did one for U.S. Kids Golf in Pinehurst, and this was before they did the cradle. This one's called Bottle Brush, and it's at Longleaf. And that one's very Ross-like, and with the fall-offs and and, and all fairway cuts and, and native grasses, and it's incredibly fun. And so this concept, we realized that, wow, in in 30 to 45 minutes, you can have a great time. But more importantly, you think about entering the game and you think about if you're not very good and you can't hit it very far. And, and I'm, I'm talking a little bit about, about women and I'm talking a little bit about kids. The game can be daunting. Um, it's too long. The golf course are too long. Your end goal is, is way out in the distance. And you get on these short courses and you could be you know five or six years old and you go, there's the target. I can do that. And then you take a child around a course like that and, you know, if you took them out to the big course and you put them out at the 150, they might last three or four holes and they're like, that's enough. Okay, I'm, I'm done. But you go to a little short course like that. It's scaled down to kid's size and you finish the round and you know what you're going to get? You're going to get, hey, dad, can we do that again? And that is what you want. You think about some of your best meals or great experiences. It's when you're left wanting a little bit more and that's that's what these short courses kind of do they leave you really feeling like oh i want to do that again and so i think that attitude is really good for golf so i'm pretty excited about it we keep recommending them and our clients keep wanting them
0: that's that's great to hear what are you guys working on now what are some of the projects you've got your hands in now and uh, and where uh, to yeah, follow so, that with well so, so at Macklemore was a bit
1: of a mountain course and we have we have one under construction Right now, even though it's wintertime, up in Highlands, absolutely stunningly beautiful golf course called Highlands Falls. It's not a long golf course, but it is. It's intimate. It's gorgeous. It's got one of the most unique little tiny par threes you've ever seen with a 3,000-square-foot green and a waterfall that looks like it comes right over the green. It almost looks like it's taken out of one of those fantasy holes, uh, which is really cool. And on the opposite end, in January, we start construction at Santa Rosa Golf and Beach Club. And that project is all sand, and it's right by the beach. So I have two extremes uh, going on between the mountains and then the beach. And, and at Santa Rosa, we're just going to turn the whole golf course white. We're literally going to be – it's going to be fairways, minimal rough, and sandy areas. And um, we are also excited about that. It's a really great little golf course uh, just in, in Santa Rosa, which is just um, – just east of Destin, and it's a great area. When you put a shovel in the ground, all you hit is white sand. So it's just an incredible um, medium to work with. It's my first really all-sand golf course, so I'm very, very excited about that. And then we've got a huge project at Richland Country Club out in Nashville, and that starts this spring as well, and I'm really excited about that. And, and so the three golf courses couldn't be any more, you know, they're all different, completely different. What our role is and what we're going to be doing are completely different. All big projects and all very exciting. We've got a few more besides that too. We're doing a bunch of bunker renovations and and we're working at Big Canoe, which is just north of Atlanta. Um, that's a um, close to home. Love and, it. Um, actually, have family ties. Family ties there.
0: You mentioned the family ties. Uh, if you're listening and don't know, Bill, a very successful uh, golfer in his own right in the in the Georgia area too. What's it like? touching up courses in the Atlanta or in your home state that you won amateur events at or um, won a college event.
1: Yeah, you may you may have read that um, we just finished Dalton Golf and Country Club and I won the Georgia Amateur in 1981 and uh, so I am thrilled to have been hired to work there and they gave me a lot of freedom to um, put my stamp on their golf course and it, it turned out Absolutely beautifully. It's only been open a month. Uh, we're really, really excited. It will. Need, it needs another grow-in. Uh, it will be incredible by next summer. But uh, so far, it's it's just been really, really a wonderful course to work on. It was a core golf course, so there's no houses. Uh, it's just an old-style club. Uh, the club originated in 1915, although on a different site. But we have taken this golf course and made it look like it's still a 1915 golf course. We Really really took that classic age of golf course design and, and Im, imprinted it on this property. So that's really exciting. And, and um, yeah, it's nice to work in my home state. We're working in Valdosta, which is another course from I think 1913 or so. Um, and in Druid Hills uh, here in town in Atlanta. So a lot of the older courses in the state we're, we're, uh, we're working with.
0: I spent some time um, at work in Charleston and playing, country club and, um, Yemen's, it's like walking back in, in, in time. How much does that go into your work? Like you, you mentioned some of these courses early 1900s when you're, when you're, uh, going in and, and, and working, is that a goal to kind of t- tune things back on, on some level?
1: Absolutely. And you can't get a better trip than you did with, um, Charleston and Yemen's. That's a, a great combination. I actually did that same combination a few years ago, when I was doing the Minnesota Valley, the rainer up in Minnesota, I went over there and played both. And you're right, if you don't see a car in the parking lot at Yeaman's Hall, it is truly a time warp. You are in 1920. And I mean, it's incredible from the entrance road, traveling back through the golf course to to everything about the clubhouse area, practice range. It is just old school at its finest. Um, that is one of my favorites. I really, really love that. And there's another one that's, that's similar called Mountain Lake down in, um, down in Lake, Lake Wales, Florida. And uh, I did Country Club of a Winter Haven down there, which has that old classic feel, but also went over to Mountain Lake and checked it out when we were working on Rainier. So it's fun to do your, do your homework on these historical golf courses. And it's just amazing, again, that we're playing today's game on these incredible facilities. And, and that's something I really don't want to lose.
0: I agree. I think these are a couple more. Are from a from a golfer's perspective who doesn't know the architect uh, side of things, what what it's like when you go into a place, um, whether it's a course you've played growing up in Atlanta. You mentioned Dalton that you could say, "Oh, I, I kind of like this, or I kind of like that uh, about the hole," or if it's Macklemore and you and you see the property, how much is there a balance between square peg round hole of, Oh, I've got a plan for a golf course. I want to do this, or I have to let the land and the piece of property dictate what we're going to do. What is that balance like?
1: Yeah. So the land, the land always comes first for me uh, because, and that's one of the things that's important so that all your golf courses look like they belong where they are. So land is first. And, And it's funny because the land just absolutely tells you what to do. There are times throughout the 18 holes where it doesn't, and then you can look for balance. You can look for what you're lacking on the on the design or something the land didn't didn't obviously give you, um, and that, that that's greens complexes for the most part in length. And so, um, but you're always you know the, the land's always I always want to work with it. I don't want to fight the land. I want to work with it. I think it's the best designer of the golf course. I mean, again, you look at 18 of Macklemore and it's all about what happened left of the green. It's that view to the left. That's not anything I did. That's just there. Um, you know, that's God's work. And, and so I think the best holes kind of come out of that. And so we always kind of start there. But once you've, once you've taken the property and the land says you have to do this on say two thirds of the, of the holes, then you're looking again to balance out the, um, the golf experience after that. Is our club, there... our courses are noted. Literally, you use every club you've got. I, I am much more interested in yardage diversity than I am overall yardage. I don't really care about what the the, the end number is, but I do care about the mix of shots. You want to use all the clubs. You don't don't want to just be hitting short irons everywhere. You want to you want to sort of have that full test. I even like you know a certain amount of uphill holes mixed in, and a lot of people don't, but I think it's part of the game as well. So whatever the land gives you, that's what we want to work with.
0: So more the route of 10th at Riviera type deal where you've got a a little bit of a challenge mix here of 300 yard par fours, etc.
1: I used to work for Bob Cup and I think he was really good with short par fours. Um, that was one of his, one of his big strengths. And the cool thing about our short par four is every single person has an opportunity to succeed. Um, Chattanooga Golf and Country Club is one of mine, which is a Ross. And our 11th and 17th holes are both short par fours. And they're two of the best holes on the golf course, two of the most fun holes. And um, I shouldn't say best, two of the most fun holes on the course. And every single person has a chance. Uh, and the scoring on those holes is volatile. I mean, you get you know occasional eagles and you, get, you have people have trouble as well. And that's what's kind of really cool about it is, is that widespread of success.
0: Is there something when you go out and play a golf course that irks you or a design a consistent design you see in a modern golf course that kind of just kind of rubs you the wrong way
1: you know this will be a funny thing to say because i do have courses that start with par 5s but i've seen a, a certain architects very well known that like to start a golf start around with a par 5 and as a player i couldn't disagree anymore the reason being is par 5s you have typically 2 3 or 4 feature holes that you're going to score on and you're not ready to do that on the first hole. And so I'm, I'm more in the Ross camp of, hey, let's gently uh, welcome this uh, player into the round and then go on from there. And so I like them strategically placed. Even number two at Peachtree, which is a really, really cool hole, would be a much better hole later in the round than it is as the second hole because you're not prepared for the demand of the shot that you're, you're asked to hit that early in the round so placement of of holes within the round is very very important how that flow works and I I like I do like courses that really kind of kind of ebb and flow between challenges and opportunities so I want I want you to have a a good number of scoring holes and I want you to have a, a few to a handful of really tough holes really challenging holes and that great mix in the golf in the round of golf.
0: Yeah, I think that's I think that's definitely fascinating. Um, get some rapid fire questions, and if that, if that's good with you, um, this might be easier to start with. Your favorite course to play that you haven't designed um, from fresh or um, from from redesign.
1: Yeah, Pebble Beach in the U.S. Open was my favorite. Okay, and it, and it has been for a very very long time. I did play it in the Crosby. I wouldn't put it there for that. But during the '82 U.S. Open when Tom Watson won, that was an incredible experience. Absolutely, just, 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 still stands today as one of the highlights of my of my playing time.
0: This might be harder because I've heard uh, golf course architects say that they're all like children. But is there a course you prefer to that you could pick one to play that you've done um, in your career? If you had to play every day, what would it be?
1: Yeah, and that's that's tough um, because it you know and and it's changing over time. But Chattanooga Golf and Country Club ranks really really high for me. It, it is one of those courses. You know, it's a Ross base. Um, it had been it had been renovated and all the Ross was gone. But it was one of our very best projects that has led to most of our future work. And it is just delightful. And it is one of those courses that you walk off and you go, oh my gosh, I want to try that again. I know I can play better. It just it just sort of never lets up intellectually. You have to think on every shot and you use every club you've got. And it sits on the Tennessee River. It's a really good site as well. So I picked that as far as renovations. And then my favorite original design is Foxland, which is in, in Nashville. I think it's an underrated course because it doesn't seem to. It, it's very successful for the, for the people there, um, but it, it's not known. Um, but it's a really, really cool, classical, old. It's got old school golf course
0: toughest thing or a story that sticks out to you when you first started doing this, like either A, oh, I, I can do this, or B, I didn't realize we were going to have to do this, uh, getting into this line of work. Is there a moment that stands out for you on either spectrum?
1: Well, I trained with Bob Cup, and I, I was very well trained. Uh, and the things that I learned for th- at, with, in, during three years in his office, I still do much of today. When I look at it now, I'm amazed that I ever got jobs in the beginning. That's the part that I, I was like, "How did how did these clubs trust me or hire me to do it?" Compared to where I am now, it's just it's just um, ridiculous. Uh, the experience level and and the knowledge and understanding and so I thank those early clubs for uh, giving me a chance to work on their properties.
0: Favorite memory professionally or at Auburn. Amateur golf, whatever it may be, as a player on the player side, favorite favorite memory for you?
1: Yeah, I've got two. So I played the final round of the Atlanta Classic with Bob Tway, and he and I went to high school together, and we're in each other's weddings, and we traveled together as rookies on tour. And in 1986, uh, he won the tournament, and I played with him the final round. And to to have that experience, walking up number 18 as high school friends um, in a in a in a you know PJ Tour event was really cool. And then uh, I shot 66 in the third round of the of the British Open at St Andrews, and that's probably top. I mean that that one is almost unreal today to me to to look back and and think, wow, you know what an experience that was, and what a great day that was. So that was equal low of the week. Uh, there were four 66s shot at St Andrews, uh, and I had one of them.
0: That's awesome. I think I got chills from both of those stories. Actually, uh, is there a golf course that? I know we're getting the uh, LA country club here in the next couple of years, but is there a golf course that you would like to see a major held at that hasn't um, come around on the, on the circa, if you will, that you think could do
1: it? Well, I mentioned Chicago golf club. So that's, that's a pretty cool one. And I know the U S women's senior open went there. Um, and it might be more appropriate for like the senior uh, men's open which would be really, really cool. Um, you know, on my bucket list to play, I'd like to play national golf links. Uh, that's very, very high on, on my list. And, um, so yeah, so, um, I probably need more time for that, that answer, um, and need to play more golf courses. You know, it's funny as a, as a busy architect, I've only played 10 rounds of golf this year. And most of those, um, I don't get the chance to play a lot of, um, of, you know, new courses because I'm busy working. And so, um, when I get the chance to play something new, it's, it's, it's really fun.
0: You get to live in one Metro area, one city or one little part of the world. And all you get to do is golf. Where are you choosing to, to post up?
1: Well, that's, that's, (laughs) um, I'd probably go up to, to Long Island and play, but I gotta, I gotta put in a lot of props for Chattanooga, Tennessee. We have the honors course, which is, Amazing. We have Chattanooga Golf and Country Club, which is mine. And it is typically, you know, um, top five or six in the state of Tennessee. We have Sweetens Cove right around the corner, which is nothing but fun. We have Black Creek, which is a good uh, Rainer tribute course. We have Lookout Mountain, which is a Rainer golf course. We have Macklemore, which is absolutely incredible. Uh, Bob Cup did Council Fire and the list goes on. And Swanee, Hands did nine hole at Swanee. The Chattanooga area, pound for pound, is an incredible golf area.
0: Yeah, we learned that real quick. And I could say the same thing about Charleston. I, I didn't realize there was so much golf when I got and moved there and, and lived there for a year, year and a half, and I was I was pretty blown away. Um before we get you out of here, um, we always ask, because our our podcast is always bring the sticks, where's the weirdest place or most abnormal place you've you've been um with your golf clubs? I know you've probably gone you may have hit some shots on some opening pieces of property but where's where's a story that that you've got for us in in this line
1: well i'm thinking i'm thinking um more of you know i played the Asian tour it's not weird it's just you know it was just a, a quite an experience um way back in my young professional day and and um you know, you fly over there and you're, you're, it's, it's 3 a.m. and all the, all the Americans are awake because you can't sleep, and, and the grasses were, were really coarse and dense at the time. You could hit a chip shot where it would almost bounce back at you like Kikuya grass does uh, today. And, and so um, that, that was a really great experience to see you know, see the different grasses and see the different ways people play. That's, again, back to golf and why is it so amazing – is we play it all over the world. We play on all different types of conditions. We play on all different types of terrain, all different types of grass. What better game is there than that?
0: I couldn't agree more. Uh, Bill, I appreciate you coming on with us. This has been awesome. Um, and If you want to check out more of his work, you Google his name, Bill Bergen, B-E-R-G-I-N, and you will find more on his website. Uh, you do phenomenal uh phenomenal things as we saw at macklemore and i couldn't agree more on the chattanooga golf uh thanks for coming on with us Good dressed you're playing golf today no i'm not grandpa i'm playing tennis you're playing golf and you're going to like it what about my asthma i'll give you asthma <laughs>